Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. again and welcome to episode 43 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Steve Pander. And we're celebrating Vancouver Whitecaps being champions. Yep, we've won the Rose City Invitational. Surely a sign that the end of the world is coming. Well, that and all the Ukraine crisis, I think two of them combined kind of signalling that things aren't right in the world. But it, it, it was a, a nice pre-season tournament win, Steve. Yeah, definitely. I, the it, it's it, You know, they came out, They luckily they got the extra man against Portmore, so that, that obviously built up a goal differential. And then our reserves got that goal against uh, San Jose, which was good, and then they, they played to a draw against a very strong Portland team. And except for Usted, uh major mistake you could say that they they were deserving maybe of the win yeah that that was one hell of a hailer from Ousted to to start the game off but I mean they they fought back they got a draw not sure that they deserved a draw I I tweeted out during the second half that they basically had been removed as any kind of attacking threat like Portland seemed to I mean they weren't threatening that much either but Vancouver just didn't really seem then they were going to get back in the game. Then they got the penalty. Manny got chopped down. Wasn't the most confidently struck penalty by Fernandez, but it it went in. It got them the draw. It kept them unbeaten. And above all else, I mean, that's just got to give them a really good confidence boost going into next weekend facing off against New York. Well, you, you say that the, the Vancouver didn't deserve the win. I, I think they deserve the win a little bit more than Portland because Portland... Like we were talking about Usted, you know, making that mistake. He never even had a chance to make up for it because he never was forced into making a save for the rest of the game. No, that is true. He he did have a very quiet game. It was like Marco Carducci in the game against Portmore as well. He let the goal in and then had nothing else to do for, for the rest of the game. So when I mean, the keepers maybe weren't tested too much, Ternagi was tested, as, as we mentioned in the last podcast. He was tested a, a fair little bit on Wednesday and he seemed to look strong. Of course, everyone's going to start talking now. Is Olstead the real number one? Is Ternagi going to push him? I think that's going to be one of the interesting battles to watch this season. Yeah, uh, well, at first, obviously, Ternagi was brought in solely as a backup. But, you know, that, and, and you got to give Olstead a little bit that he didn't train too much with the team this week because of the injury. But still, that's something that you don't, you want to stop. Luckily, it was good timing that it happened in preseason. So it's, this is not going to, the game really didn't count for much. We'll definitely see if if this is something that the goalkeeping position is as solid in Usted's name. Like uh, Robinson uh, stated at the beginning of the season, he stated a uh, preseason. He start stated that 
Usta is my number one. Will Ternagi be able to make up ground without a reserve season, a season to, to prove himself and become a, a challenge for that number one spot? And of course, one of the other battles is who is going to be the backup right back. And Ethan Sampson got the 90 minutes against Portland, mainly because there was nobody else that could really play there. Stephen Betashur being away on international duty with Iran. A lot of talk. Is he going to get the contract? He takes up an international spot. Would they just move Rio Coker back for the games that, that Betashur is going to be missing? Or do you think Sampson did enough against Portland to show that he is ready to play in MLS? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something that I stated during the game that I I'm a little biased because I see, I saw him playing and both of us saw him playing PDL and we weren't impressed at all. If he he and he had some fantastic tackles. The only problem is is and and somebody mentioned on Twitter that positioning is something that can be taught. They got to teach him to it fast because they need him to be in a good position because they can't afford those kind of tackles every time because one of those tackles is gonna hit. He's gonna leave the foot in a little bit longer than it was supposed to. It could be in the wrong position. It could be inside the box. It's going to cost the Caps a goal. And his, his tackling was good against Portland. Some cracking, crunching tackles. And anyone that knows me and has listened to me talk about stuff like that, I love that. From watching it from the press box, you got a much better look at, at how he was playing. In the second half, he was over on the side that I was at. And from looking down, his positional play definitely leaves a lot to be desired. I also don't think that he brings a lot or enough going forward in attacks. I mean, he got up a couple of times, but he kind of seems to stop more around about the halfway mark of the half. He doesn't, he doesn't venture towards the edge of the box or to the byline. And if you're used to having Betasure doing that, and then YPLE last season, the club are relying on a on the right back to do that. I just don't know if he's got the skills to do it. And as you say, tackling tough is great. Everything was okay in that game on Saturday. In MLS, with the referees there, he looks like he could be a red card magnet. I, I still don't think he should get the contract. For me, Nigel Rio Coker, who also isn't really a, a good right-back, is better at his worst than Ethan Sampson is going to be at his best. Uh, I totally agree with you. I'm not like I. I also don't think that Rio Coker, by the time Bedisher, unless there's an injury, they might not even need him because it is during the World Cup that Bedisher will be gone. By then, there's going to be more transactions uh, because they could trade within the league, and and then maybe they pick up because they have a lot of mid- central midfielders. Maybe they move one of those central midfielders to pick up a, a domestic right back to back up, and uh, somebody with, with experience to back up uh, Bedisher when he goes away in June. Very possibly. And Saturday was also roster compliance day. Now, what that has meant is as long as deals are in the works involving players, then the Whitecaps are compliant. And that does for salary cap, that does for international spots. So as it stands just now, the Whitecaps have 11 international spots, 14, 15 internationals. Samson would be another guy that would be an international. So from, from talking to the Whitecaps... Deals are in place, transactions are in place, whether it's loan deals or just getting released, we weren't told that. But some internationals are going to move on. I know we've speculated who that might be before, but I think this week's going to be a week where we're going to see quite a lot of activity. Yeah, I think there's going to be a number of loans, obviously. We already know that uh, Jackson Farmer and Marlon Ramirez went to Charleston. They even played against DC United. Uh, I think 
each of them had about a half. I'm not, I can't remember exactly what it was. Uh, there'll be other players, um, some obviously prime candidates, some guys that didn't even play at all, and but were in Portland, uh, Ben Fisk, Adam Mena, Michael Kafari. Those guys are probably going to be going to Charleston, if not Charleston, maybe another NASL team in order to see what they can do. We're told that Ben Fisk has until the end of March, but maybe they've already made the decision and decided to get him some playing time right off the bat. Well, word had also come out that we had tried to give Edmonton a couple of players on loan and the Colin Miller didn't want them because it wasn't, he was, he felt that Edmonton already had a lot of players in that position. And I did wonder whether Fisk was going to be one of those players because I, I don't think he's going to want to go back to Charleston. Let's hear a little bit just now though from Carl Robinson, some of his post-game comments down in Portland after the 1-0 draw on Saturday. It was a, a very entertaining game. I think both sides had a go at the game. A lot of attacking football, a lot of hard challenges, mistimed challenges, mistakes, um, and then entertaining 90 minutes. Uh, we're still in the early stages of what we're doing, um, but I think you saw in glimpses today what we're, what we're trying to change, the mentality, the, the playing style, the ethos here, and you know it, it's working, and it'll continue to be a, a work in progress, um, but it's exciting. How ready do you feel the team is for, for opening day? Well, I hope we're 100% ready, um, but I don't think you're ever 100% ready come first game of the season. You know, we've had a, a super week here with um, three fantastic results, but I'm not naive enough to think that, you know, we're 100% ready because we've got a lot of work to do. There's still areas of the game that we need to improve on um, in the transitional side of the game, and we'll get back to work on uh, Monday and review that. When we made the three subs tonight, was that kind of to, to have a feel of an actual MLS match? It was, yeah. Uh, it's, an impo- it's important we got a result as well. You know, any time you play Portland, it's a, it's a difficult game. And uh, I wanted to get the three guys who come on some minutes as well, because I think they've deserved that as well. Kakuta has obviously been injured for a while. Matty's come in and um, Eric has done very, very well this pre-season. So it was unfortunate not to start the game. Um, you know, but we'll have some big decisions to make next week. What's your initial impressions of how Laba did out there today? I think you can see what he's about. I think he, he hunts the ball, he wins the ball, he, do, he does the not so uh, pleasant jobs um, you know he closes down and you know I knew that's what Matty did you know he's a link player and you know the way we're going to play this year and pass the ball and um, try and build through the zones in uh, defensive areas midfield areas and attacking areas then you need a guy who tactically understands the game and he certainly does Russell played a couple of positions tonight. He did. Was that to more have a look at him in those, or is it to kind of see Gershon back? Yeah, no, I wanted to get Gershon some minutes. He's he's only played 150 odd minutes throughout preseason, and you know these guys that have played over 300 minutes. So it's important we got Gershon up to speed. Uh, Russell obviously can play on the right. He can play on the left. You know, I looked at him in a period for a period in the number 10 role. Um, you know, but Russell's a good player, and you want your good players on the field. That can't always happen because we've got competition for places all over the park now. But it's important that when you get the opportunity, you take that chance, and a lot of them did tonight. I know Omar on the bench. Was that to no. send a message to him? No, it was. Um, you know, that was a, a decision that I made with Omar. Um, so, you know, behind closed doors, and um, you know, I don't want to talk about individuals. We talk about the group today. So that was Carl Robinson talking about after the game, after the Portland one-one draw. And obviously, uh, one of the final questions that he was asked by you was about Omar Salgado, somebody who we thought with Darren Maddox gone would probably be in the 18, but obviously wasn't. And he didn't want to talk specifically about him. Did you hear anything about like what Omar is going on? He had a really strong start to the training camp, but it seems to have fallen. And there was a scene at the San Jose uh, Vancouver game where he was subbed off and Pete Chad was mentioning that he was showing um, a little bit of attitude to Robinson. 
Yeah, and that isn't the first time that he's done that this season. He's been subbed off a couple of times now. One of them was the game down in Arizona, where I think he was taken off round about the hour mark and he really wasn't happy. The reason for it down there was that his family had actually travelled up and they had come to watch him, so he thought he was going to get the whole game, but no other player was getting the whole game, so obviously he's going to get subbed off. And the reason I brought the question up is we've seen it a couple of times now, We've seen his attitude come out, and it's not a good attitude. And I think Carol Robinson, although he didn't say there and then that that's what everything was about, as far as I'm concerned, attitude like that, showing disrespect to the management team, and also there's been rumours of possible like disrespect from Omar to some of the senior players as well, that cannot be tolerated. And although Carroll is an easygoing guy, he's not going to put up with that kind of stuff in camp. And if players are just not prepared to, to accept that they've been substituted for a reason, then that has to be addressed. And by not playing against Portland or being in even the game day 18, I think that did send a message. Although Carl wouldn't confirm it to me, that sent a message to Omar that if you do not get your attitude right, buck up your ideas, you're not going to be part of this team. And I think it's a strong statement. I think as the needed statement, especially with uh, some of the stuff that's gone on with like obviously Darren Maddox, and that seems to have been fixed somewhat. Obviously, Camilo, show, not really attitude, but his like another striker that moved on, uh, you know, controversially. So it's 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 interesting to see like where Robinson takes this, and is he gonna? Because there were incidents last year too, not with Salgado himself, but there were other incidents where players were not happy with being substituted off and you could see them when they were walking off and Martin Rennie, we don't know how he dealt with it if it were behind doors because the person who usually showed that attitude played in the next game as well. The thing with Omar as well is he started off fantastic in pre-season camp and I talked about it and I wrote about it that as far as I was concerned, he wasn't just challenging for a spot in the game day 18, he was challenging for an actual starting spot. That's how good he was looking. You saw the training sessions as well. You were impressed by the commitment and the work rate that he put in. Then we had the incident in Arizona. Then we had the bust up with Manny in the scrimmage game. And then we had the substitution against San Jose on Wednesday. All these little things are counting against him. His form as well is also dipped. He's trying a little bit too hard, I feel. On Wednesday night, he was kind of like diving in all over the place and not getting to balls. And I, I don't know. I just think... He's put too much pressure on himself. He knows it's a make-or-break season. Things are not going according to plan. And he, he's just struggling a bit. And there's a big, big battle for who's going to be playing up front, who's going to come on as the subs. And also, if Kenny Miller gets injured, who the, the starter is going to be up front. And Omar had it all in his hands. And let's just hope he doesn't blow it. Yeah, it, it, I definitely agree with you. It is a make-or-break season. I think... I personally think, based on what we've seen so so far, that if it comes to it and somebody offers something, I think Salgado will be gone. Um, I, I think they, they also, I think they're trying to put him in a position where he does succeed a little bit, he does show a little bit, and then as soon as an offer comes in, I think they kind of uh, maybe tired of his act and and could be ready to move him on. I wouldn't be surprised, and that could definitely be something that before the roster freeze happens in a few weeks' time, that could be something that happens. Now, we mentioned there as well about the battle for minutes up front. The biggest battle right now is going to take place in the midfield. And we alluded to it in the last few podcasts that there was a South American number 10 coming over from Europe, not from England, we said. And of course, it's right, Pedro Morales, nothing confirmed by the club yet. 
but Pedro Morales, coming over from La Liga side Malaga, going to be our new designated player and our new number 10. Everything I've seen of him on on YouTube videos and stuff, because that's obviously what we're going to see, seemed very good. Uh, he, he seemed to be a good striker of the ball from distance. He was creative. He took a lot of set pieces. So it'd be. I'm assuming he'll be uh, taking a lot of the uh, duties of what Camilo did with the free kicks and the corner kicks. So we'll see that. And then also he 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 brings a, a, also that that kind of in the prime uh, age level that they need. They they were getting a little young in that midfield. So they, it brings another veteran in who's played in certain situations in Europe and obviously he played in uh, with Dynamo Zagreb and then he's played in Malaga. So it, it gives him a kind of a legitimacy in that front three behind the striker yeah from what we saw from the youtube clips he looks really exciting he looks a player that vancouver needs and i mean it's interesting you mentioned that you think he might take over from the set pieces we badly need that some of our free kicks just now have been horrible uh leveron had a couple uh, on the weekend they were just blasted all over the place and we we are missing camilo not just for his goals but for what he can do at free kick so hopefully morales can come in and and do that I don't know much about him. I haven't really watched La Liga for a couple of seasons now just because it's not been on on the main TV channels here. So I don't know too much. I have been to Malaga. It's a beautiful city. And he's going to enjoy coming over to Vancouver. The word on the street was that he was actually in Portland on Friday sorting out a few things with the club, possibly going through a medical, inking his contract, then heading back to Spain to kind of sort out his affairs. Not sure he's going to be back ready to play in time for Saturday but I think it's a it's a really good final piece or near final piece of the jigsaw of a squad that Carol Robinson has slowly put together he's slowly built it up over the last couple of weeks and it's it's very exciting but it's going to be a really really tough battle now in the midfield and as Carol said after the game on Wednesday it's the time where the strong are going to need to come through and the weak will drop off and one of the players that is hoping to come through, hoping to remain strong, is Canadian boy Russell Tiber. I caught up with Russell on Friday night after the training session down in Portland just to, to ask how he's feeling going into the new season. He was also one of the guys that started our first ever MLS game back in 2011. Now three years later, hopefully he's going to be starting against New York on Saturday. Here's what he had to say. Uh, so Russell, we're a week away from the start of the new season. Looking back to the very first MLS season for the Whitecaps, you you started that very first game. Yeah. Hopefully, if things go well, you're going to start in in this game as as well against New York. In the last three seasons, how do you feel you've matured as a player? Um, I think uh, I've grown as a person um, off the field and uh, as a player on the field. And I know that's kind of cliched, but um, I feel. Through my time I spent at this club, whether it was through the academy um, or through through the residency or through the first team, I think um, the Whitecaps have done a great job preparing me for for becoming a professional soccer player, and you know, and not only becoming a professional soccer player, but watching and you know maintaining my development as a as a professional athlete playing for the for the Vancouver Whitecaps. 
It's a really exciting time for the club. There's a lot of new players come in, especially in the midfield role. Do you feel the fact that you, you can play so many different positions in the midfield that that actually gives you a, a benefit over some of the other players in the squad? I think, um, I think it's important that every player has versatility. Players get injured, that's a fact. Um, sometimes players are not... Are not uh, some players have highs and some players have lows. That's a fact of the game. I'll have my highs, I'll have my lows. And I think um, the squad the boss has put together this year, we're really deep. And I think that a lot of players can play in a lot of different positions. I think the versatility of the squad itself is, um, is a deep squad. And uh, I think that any player that steps into any position will do well for the club. Now, after the game on Wednesday, Carl was saying that the, the strong are going to kind of come through and the weak are going to drop off a bit. What do you feel you need to do in your game to make sure you are one of those strong players that's going to get regular minutes this year and, and a regular starter? Just to do as the boss tells me. Um, what, what position he puts me in, whatever position it is, you know, what, he, what he tells me to do on that given day. Um, I think it's important to take information and, and really apply it the first time he asks you. It's important to, to do the simple things right. It's important to to be productive, you know, and for me, I think that that can consist of scoring goals and getting assists and, and really um, going forward, forward with my progress that I had last season. Now, you were one of the first homegrown players to kind of come through the residency. There's been a lot of talk this year there's going to be more residency players signed and there's a, a really good crop of youngsters coming through. Do you feel that you kind of have a, a bit of a role model or you've kind of set sort of you're like leading the way for these players to kind of make it into MLS? If people see me as that as that position and, and as that leader, I'm, you know, I'm happy to take that role on. I think um, all the young youngsters and, and young guys that have come in through the residency have, have a lot of personality. I think they, they do want to be their own person. I think that's important because um, coming up through the academy and the residency, I've, I've always wanted to be true to myself and be my own person as well. And I think that's important. So if they look up to me as you know as an example, I'm happy to be that person. But um, I think in, in the end, they're going to be who they are. And um, I think if you're true to yourself, that's uh, you know I think that's an important quality to have. Um, but like I said, if if I am seen as as other people as that as that role model, then um, I'm happy to take on that role. So with this season coming up, I'm not going to ask you to sort of make any targets or anything, but what, what are you hoping for personally to, to get out of this season? It's a simple answer, and it is to be happy. I think um, life's about being happy, and it's about for me it's about being happy on the field and off the field. And, uh, you know, I'll be happy if I'm scoring goals and getting assists. That's great. Thanks so much, Russell. I really liked that, that interview with Russell and just for, for any of the ladies listening or for Benjamin Massey, if you want to listen to that interview again, just picture the fact that as I spoke to Russell, he had just come out of the shower and was wearing nothing but a towel. So that's one for you ladies and Ben. But it's going to be a tough season for, for Russell and a lot of the midfielders. They're really going to have to step up to the plate. Carl had a little bit of a look at Russell in a few different positions on Saturday. Tried him out wide again, tried him in the middle, tried him as an AM. And as I asked him, and as he said, having that versatility could really work in his favour this year because he can play and fill in in a number of those positions, which a lot of the other midfield players that are now battling it out, they don't have that luxury. Yeah, definitely. Like uh, against Portmore, he he started off the game at, as a holding, moved up to the right side, and then actually assisted and scored a goal. So it is he's capable of doing that, and it's good to have those type of players that can move around and be able to you know play a different position at the drop of a hat. Obviously, he he's kind of he started off the preseason and played most of preseason as a holding midfielder, 
one of the reasons why he's obviously not playing there anymore is because the acquisition of Matias Laba. We talked about it before, but you saw him play in 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 real time and in, in live at in Portland. How what did you think of his performance there? It was hard to tell because he only played like not even a full half, but he looked good. He looked comfortable in the ball. He looked to bring a lot more to that position than what we saw last year from Davidson, from Kofi, from the other players that that were in there. It's going to be a really good acquisition. He looks tough. He's already bonded with the Uruguayan guys at training on Friday when they're doing the warm downs. He was sitting talking to them and uh, having a good laugh with them. And he's going to fit right in. And then now having a Chilean guy coming along as well. It's a nice, nice South American little group that we've got going there. So Laba's going to do good. Talking off the, the Uruguayans, Fernandez and Mosquita, it doesn't look like both of them are going to really get the start if we are bringing in Morales. From what I've seen so far, and from the game on Saturday, I was more impressed with Mosquita, but I think Fernandez is the guy that's going to get the start just because of the positional play. But I know like with Mosquita playing in, in an AM role, in a number 10 role, I mean, you, you've, you mentioned this to me off air that that there could be concerns how many games Morales could play in that position. Well, the, a lot of people are making uh, talking about how why he hasn't played so much this year with Malaga, especially with them not doing well. And a lot of people got to understand that he was brought in by, and it was given a high rating by uh, for, uh, current Manchester City coach Pellegrini. And he, he's rated him high. Now, they had a, obviously a coaching change where a German coach came in. I think his name is Schuster. And that's when the team actually started you know, failing and everything. And I, I think it maybe it might be just a bad mix of players and coaches and everything. And maybe he might be able to retract himself because when he was playing with uh, Zagreb, he played a lot of games and he was able to play regularly. So I, I, I don't see it. That there, Like you said, there were concerns from some people out there. I don't see it being as a big concern. Well, that that's good to know. And Mosquita is going to get minutes. He's going to get sub minutes of nothing else. Fernandez as well. These guys have to perform, as does Tiber, as does Rio Coker. And it also has question marks, as we mentioned the last time over, Gerson Kofi, Matt Watson. You've got Marco Bustos as well, who came on against San Jose on Wednesday and did really well. And then we, we were at the residency game on Sunday. You were at the game on Saturday as well. But on Sunday, Marco Bustos scored his first hat-trick for Vancouver. So he's learned from the first team. He's gone back and shown it in the residency and shared the knowledge and the positional stuff and done really well there. And that was kind of what the Whitecaps were looking to see. So you're going to have Bustos pushing for a, a midfield, maybe not start, but definitely minutes as well. So it's definitely going to be a really interesting battle as to, to who's going to have have the, the midfield spots kind of wrapped up. Yeah, I think I think the, the your comment about Bustos is correct. Like you saw him obviously on the Sunday. I saw him on Saturday as well. He he's it the the game they got to get a minute somewhere else because the game is getting too easy for him. It seems like a residency. The game against uh, Real SoCal, he didn't uh, do much like stat wise, but he was all over the field. They needed essentially to shut him down. They needed about two to three guys on him and even he would then he would break past the two guys if there was just two guys there and there was a point at the late in the game where there should have been a foul called in the box because he basically split two defenders and they both took him down and, and there was no call made there it, it, it's getting a little easy against the next game against arsenal he scored three goals and he basically ran right through them so uh, they got to get a menace because they don't want it to stunt his development playing easy games at the residency level yeah, that, that's true. And and Sam was also playing and, and he did really well on Sunday's game against Arsenal and was kind of really talkative and, and helping those around him. 
But I mean, Marco's definitely in the midfield mix. Going to be a battle there. One thing for certain is the creativity this year in the middle is going to be way, way more than we had last year. My big concern, though, is the creativity might be there. Who's going to kind of finish those chances? Now, one of the guys that everyone is expecting to be on the end of a lot of those chances is designated player Kenny Miller. Back playing, looks to be healthy. How long? Hopefully he's going to see out till at least June injury-free. But we caught up with Kenny on Friday night after training down in Portland. Had a really good 9-10 minute chat with him. I'll apologise in advance. The background noise, the room we were in, there was a really loud air conditioner on and I've not really been able to, to get that out of the audio. So bear with that. Hopefully you can hear Kenny okay. Two Scots talking. It's going to be fun for everyone to listen to. Anyway, here's Kenny Miller. Go Machine. So, Kenny, I've had a, a couple of minutes now in the first two games down in Portland. How How's your body feeling? How are you feeling yourself? Do you, you good to go for the season? Yeah, I feel pretty good. It's uh, touch wood. It's uh, been about a week now. I've been back in training, so it's uh, none. I feel pretty good, feel fit. Obviously, it's a case of getting some minutes, and we've managed to do that in, in both games so far this trip, and obviously hope to get a few more under my belt in the game tomorrow. Now, last season it kind of ended uh, with the injury you had, and then you had the knee injury. How long did you have that actual knee injury for? Pretty much the whole season. It was just uh, getting through for kind of match to match. Uh, obviously, as, as the season went on, it, the condition kind of worsened, and it was uh, it was kind of hard to kind of. And that obviously played part in, uh, in the other little niggles that I'd picked up. I mean, again, there was none, no real serious injuries throughout the season. I think they were just little minor muscle injuries maybe coming off the back of playing with this for so long I mean it was I came back in pre-season and as soon as we kind of hit that hit the, hit the ground again it was uh, felt that that, that patella tendon flare, uh, flaring up and it was a case of just managing it for game to game for week to week throughout the season and obviously for me it was a endured a, a frustrating year obviously when I was playing I felt good and as if I was like, contributing a lot to the team but for me it wasn't enough to I, mean, I think 19 games I started out the 34 last year which wasn't for me it's, it's, it's not enough it's, uh, and obviously it was, it was frustrating having to sit and watch the team when, when I was out there and it was uh, it was always part of the plan to get the, the procedure at the end of the season and obviously that came a little bit sooner than expected Now you, you've had a season and a half so far in MLS how have you found the whole experience so far? The travel's obviously a lot more than, than you're used to in Scotland and England uh, and the different turf pitches and grass pitches. Just the whole experience, what, what's your thoughts on it? You know, it's been an enjoyable one. I mean, it's, uh, it's been, there's been a bit of a few ups and downs, obviously, with injuries and things last year, but like, generally I've been, I've been really enjoying it. It's been a case of, when we made the playoffs in the, in the first half season I was here, uh, again, it was a, a frustrating kind of four months really coming off the back of a close season and things but last year I, I mean I really enjoyed it like I say it's when I played I felt I played pretty well contributed a lot to the team and it's been enjoyable yeah the, the travelling is a is a lot different from when you play back, back home in Europe but it's, uh, it's part and parcel of the, 
yeah, the job really when you're playing the MLS and the, the positive side is you get to go to some fantastic cities and that you probably wouldn't have got to go to so you've got to try and you try and take the positives out of it obviously road games I think if you look through the league every team kind of finds it tough on the road but uh, that's one side that I think well, we need to improve on if we're, going to, if we're going to look to make the playoffs and improve as a team I think it improved a little bit towards the end of last season but up until a few games to go we never had a great a great road record so we'll be looking to put that right obviously last year we had a fantastic home record up until about 12, 13, 14 games into the home the home season. So if we can we can put a few more wins on the on the road, I think we'll be okay this year. It's a really apart from yourself, it's a really young attacking line. I, with someone with the experience you've had, played at the top level of the game, what what can you share with the young guys like Omar and Kakuta and, and Darren as well, just to to kind of help them bring them on this year? Well, listen, I've got first and foremost, I think I've got a fantastic coaching team in place. I've got three three coaches that I've worked with at the highest level and. First, firstly, they'll be there to advise any player in any position. But obviously, when you're a senior player on the team, you, you take on a little bit more of a, a responsibility. Try and maybe pass on a few words of wisdom to the younger lads. Listen, if they want to take it on board, they take it on board. But there's, I know the, the older lads that are in the in the team will not force herself on air where they're trying to make any. I know J.D. Merritt will not be taking, or Andy O'Brien will not be taking Christian Dean to the side to try and make an Andy or a Jay clone. They'll be trying to help him, maybe just pass on maybe more positional sense and things. Myself, it's the same with, with the younger strikers. If you can help them with their movement and things, so obviously it's key. Well, the movement's key as a forward. And if you can pass on a few things, it's great. Ultimately, it's up to the, the lads. If they want to come and search for help, whether it be for senior players or whether it be for coaches, and if they want to take the advice on board, they'll do it. If they don't, let's be honest, they're not going to do it. But, so behind the front line, you've got the new, well, quite a lot now of, of South Americans that's come into the team. How do you think the the shape of the team and the kind of style of play of the team is going to change? Have you played with a lot of like South Americans in the past? I've played with a few. Obviously, there are a certain type of ball. They'll, they'll get stereotyped by like a certain yeah. type of play. Obviously, a sulky, creative, uh, flair-type players. But obviously, I think even early, early viewing of the two Uruguayan lads, are, uh, when they're, when they're willing to put their shift in. They look very clever footballers, and it will take them time. It's I mean it's like any new player coming to a new club. It's going to take them time. Want to settle into a new city, maybe a new kind of way of living, but also to get used to the players that they're playing alongside. And it's about kind of giving them time to to adapt and to do that. But any day it's football. When you play football, if you're a good football and you've got a good football brain, you're a good slot into a team. Hopefully. Like pretty easily and it looks like so far that they'll do that it might just take them a little bit of time to get used to obviously like playing whether it be myself Darren, Omar, Kakua, Eric whoever's playing up front we've all got different traits we've got different styles and it's about really realising what everybody's strengths are and, and kind of sussing that out and playing to them so obviously that, that will take a bit of time but that's been that's been coming on through pre-season pretty well How, how important do you feel it is for, for Carl and the, and the coaching staff to get off to a strong start this season it looks a really tough opening schedule do you feel there's going to be added pressure on the team if they don't get off to, to a good start again? Every team will be sitting here saying we want to go off to a good start because nobody wants to go and, and lose their first two games or get a draw and a loss. It's, it's, you want to, especially when you're opening at home. Your, your home form is always going to stand you in good stead for a successful season. So for us it's important we go off to a, a good start. Last year we won our first two home games. So it, was, it wasn't a bad start. Obviously after that we kind of went on a not a great run of results but this year's a different year like I say we've got, we've got some fantastic coaches in, in uh, on board now it's, uh, they'll have a set up properly they've, it is going to be a new style of play probably a lot of a different set up a dif- different-ish system it's quite 
similar to, to maybe how we've played before, but it's definitely going to be a new emphasis on, on a style of play. So it's about the players kind of taking that on board and adapting to it. And listen, we want to go off to a flyer. It's, uh, I think there's not a player in the dressing room who doesn't want the, the new coaches to succeed. Obviously, we've worked with Carroll for two years now. So we know what he's about, they know the kind of guy he is, and I think he's got the respect to the dressing room, so we'll all be out there trying our hearts out for him. Now, I, I never got a chance to speak to you after you came back from playing in the Scotland-England game and your international retirement. A couple of months down the road now, how are you feeling about that? Are you missing playing at the, the international level, or are you glad you did it just to kind of prolong your club career a, a little bit more? Well, it's a bit of both. I mean, there's no way when you enjoy when you're a when you're a professional footballer and you represent your country, it's the it's the highest honour you can you can achieve. So, for anybody to step away from that and not miss it, I would I would say there's probably no many people that will. And it's uh, but on the other side, it, it was done in, in mind of looking at where I'm playing at the moment. It's uh, it was long haul flights back for for games. It was it was tough. It was tough going on the body again. Potentially played part in the the injury I had at the start of the season last year. So for me, it was. Uh, there's a new campaign coming up, there's new younger strikers that are coming through. Uh, so I just felt it was, wasn't a bad time, again, particularly with the World Cup campaign, but it being over at the time, it was, I think there was three or four games that were kind of a bit meaningless in terms, of, in terms of us making the World Cup anyway. Obviously, they've played their purpose and the team getting back to a, a good level of form and some good results, but for me, it was a case of I just felt it was the right time. And again, with definitely one eye at least on, on prolonging my career and giving everything I had to Vancouver. It was a great way you went out as well with that go against England. Do you play that over in your head at all? Well, I've watched that about a million times, so it's uh, yeah, it was a. I mean, it would have been great if it was a winner. It was uh, obviously that would have been the dream to score the winner at Wembley as a Scottish lad. So it was uh, it was a great game, I and mean, I thought that the, the team done very well. Uh, but unfortunately, not to come away with something for the game. Definitely, I thought we we definitely deserved something for the game. But yeah, for me personally, it was it was great. It was an opportunity to play in the first Scotland-England game in 15 years and obviously to get a goal at Wembley, there don't have to be too many Scots who have done that, so it, was, it wasn't a bad way to finish off. Yeah, when I, when I watch the game back, I just stop it after your goal, so as far yeah. as I'm concerned, we won. Yeah. So thanks for your time, Kenny. No Good luck for the season ahead and just let's hope we get a few more goals from you. Yes, thanks very much. Cheers. So that was Kenny Miller, um, obviously talking to Michael at, prior to the Portland game. One one of the things I think about Kenny Miller, I and you could let me know what you think about this. I think he's going to do well, especially with players like uh, South from South America playing behind him, because he, they're going to know when he's making those runs. And I think he was very frustrated with some of the players last year. They're playing with him up front that they weren't recognizing the runs that he was making. I think guys like Mesquita, Fernandez, Morales, I think Tiber will eventually learn as well. Uh, Matias Lava, those guys are going to le- learn to see when Kenny's going to make his run. And I think Fernandez was the one that sent him on a run against Portland on Saturday. And I think that's something that we're going to see. And I think that's where uh, you were, uh, we're going to talk about goals, where the goals are coming from. I think Miller will be getting the goals based on a lot more goals based on that. Oh, for sure. I, I think he's really going to thrive with the creativity that's behind him this year. And he is going to get chances. And I, we've talked about this before. He He misses chances, but he buries them as well. And I think he's going to have a really, really strong season. Just fingers crossed that he's healthy. If he isn't healthy or if he has a little bit of a lack of form, where do you see these goals coming from? Do you think Matix has done enough to to really step up and be the guy? Manny as well has looked good when he's come on, but he has missed a few chances himself. 
Well, Manny, I think it's mostly a lot of uh, rust that goes along with his his misses right now. I think Maddox is showing a little bit. I think the midfield will score uh, quite a few goals as well. I think guys like Fernandez, Mesquita has already shown that they can strike the ball from distance. I think Morales obviously coming in will be another person that will score some goals. I think they just need to have goals spread out. And I don't think they need to rely on... The, they need Obviously, the strikers need to be the ones to score goals, but I think they'll get goals from other positions around the midfield as well. And that's something that Robinson, when he came, was first hired, said he wanted to do. He needed to get more goals from the midfield. Yeah, there's definitely going to be a lot more goals coming from the midfield and possibly from all over the park as well. I think Betashore is going to get a lot of assists, maybe not goals, but it's going to be exciting. We don't have long to wait to see them in actual real-time action. First game coming up on Saturday. And just before we wrap this podcast up, we just want to let people know that we're going to start something a little bit different towards the end of this week. Instead of doing our previews on AFTN in written form, Steve, just very quickly tell us what have you got in store? What can folk expect from a special preview podcast every week? Yes, Michael, we'll be launching a new episode of the AFTN podcast, which will be a preview show uh, looking to be released about a fr- on a Friday morning or afternoon. I'll be joined by AFTN contributor Aaron Campbell, as well as other guests who have yet to be finalized as we preview the upcoming opponents, as well as how the game will play out, factors for the Whitecaps in order for them to win, key players that you can look at. In addition to that, we'll be also providing news and notes and audio clips from the training ground uh, in order to give you a better idea of what the the team is looking at as they look forward to the next opponent. If everything goes well, we'll be ready to go and record our first episode and release it on fr- this Friday before the first kick against New York Red Bulls. So looking forward to that and hopefully we'll be able to provide you with some information prior to the game. Well, that sounds great. So everyone just watch out for that towards the end of the week. So before we wrap this show up, Steve, just let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me at Whitecaps Beat and obviously writing for Canadian Soccer News. And you can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. You can read all our stuff online, AFTN on Canadian Soccer News, AFTN.ca. And if you want to send us an email about anything of the show or suggestions for things to cover or segments, drop us an email, AFTNCanada at Hotmail.com. So it's going to be a busy week. I think there's going to be some player movement. We've got the strip launch coming on Wednesday, our preview show coming on Friday, and first kick on Saturday. An exciting time to be a Whitecaps fan. Let's hope this season is equally as exciting. So until next time, thanks for listening, take care, and mon the Caps! One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then... There must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine.